Good afternoon. My name is Chris Dengio, and this is Pardon the Confusion. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our sponsors who don't exist and our three to four per week. We couldn't do this without you. On the uh, show today, we have Nate Moyer from Trumbull, Connecticut. How are you doing, Nate? Good. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm trying to survive a uh, this uh, coronavirus. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, went went for a three mile hike today. So in better spirits. So uh, we also have Ernest Watts from Cordova, North Carolina. How are you doing? Ernest? Not as well as you are. I just read two books today. That's all I did. Laid around the pool and read books. And you run out of TV, I, Ernest? Uh, yeah, I watched <laughs> a little bit of Arizona and the Yankees, but I, I found out I, I don't, you know, those science fiction shows where you're sitting back in the past and you can bet on games. I'd be very bored. If I knew, if I was sitting back in the past, if nothing else, these recorded games has showed me I'd hate to go out in the past and know how things turn out because I'd be terribly, terribly bored. <laughs> so keep me in the present, send me to the future, don't send me to the past. Well, good, good. Well, uh, we'll, we'll hop right into it. We've got a couple of things we want to talk about from sports to the, the coronavirus, uh, some TV stuff, and we'll try to uh, keep you interested the whole time. So the only active thing that's sports related right now that's keeping every uh, the entire you know, country uh, focused right now is the MJ Michael Jordan docu documentary. Uh, it's now entering its third uh, week, I guess you could say. Have you guys been watching it? I have. I'm sure Ernest has too. I mean, I can't. Oh yes. Every, every little, and I remember a lot of it, a lot of it that I'd forgotten about, but what's, what's the most surprising story you've heard? I go with you, Chris. What's the most surprising of all that you've seen so far? You know, I so I was pretty young during the Dream Team. So now look, it's it's kind of trying to figure out you know the, the dynamics between him and Isaiah. And I would love to think that he kept Isaiah off that team. Uh, I, I think Isaiah was probably you know the number one or number two point guard during that time. So to keep him off that team, if if that is true, I thought that was a, an interesting storyline. What about you, Ernest? Uh, the, uh, load management story where they gave, um, Dennis Rodman 48 hours to go to Vegas in the middle of the season. And he arrived, he didn't show back up after three days. And so Michael Jordan goes to his apartment complex and gets the manager to open it up. And he finds Robin like wasted. All he had was a mattress and a couch in the apartment. And Carmen Electra is hiding behind the couch because she's literally afraid of Michael Jordan and what he will say and do to her. I thought that was a neat little story. That's funnier. I was going to say the same one. I didn't really, <clears throat> I mean, I was uh, trying to get older. I think it was 10 or 11 when that happened um, that season. No, 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 that's not right. I was like 14, but I, I don't remember the Dennis Rodman thing. So I, I completely forgot about it. I remember he was a character, but I never, I never knew about the Vegas thing. Um, so that was kind of a surprise to me. There was, there was an interesting one. I think it was the very first episode, episode one. I think they're in Europe somewhere, Barcelona. Not sure. They're doing something for um, international basketball. And Jordan is getting mic'd up, and the guy asked for an autograph. And Michael Jordan kind of gave him this look to another guy, like, why is this guy asking me for an autograph? I kind of thought that was interesting because I heard Michael Jordan had final cut on this whole thing. And um, I don't think that made him really look that good. Like, I get it. Like, you know, there's a, it's a professional, you know, environment. You shouldn't be asking. But at the same time, like, you know, you're overseas and 
you're a huge celebrity. So I thought that was a little weird. I don't know if you guys picked that up at the very beginning of episode one. I don't know what you guys thought about that. I don't know. It, to me, I kind of was like, eh, that's kind of a you know jerk move. You're standing right there. It, it how is, hard would it be to sign it? But It is fascinating how he's allowed himself to be shown as raw competitive as he is. I mean, this is not a flattering picture to say the least. But he would literally do anything to win. It is fascinating that there's one former bull that refused to participate in this, Luke Longley. And it mm. seems like, from what I've read, Luke he's Longley. He's in it, though. Still, he's in it. I mean, he's in it, him, but... but he's not interviewed. You see him, but he's not interviewed. And he talked about, he was talking to a station in Australia, and he said, like, it, he was emotionally scarred by how hard Jordan rode him all the time. Now, I would have thought Tony Kuko would have said something like that because they did, him and Pippen both rode Kuko. I mean, to death and the point that they embarrassed when they played an exhibition game. And when they played him, the 92 Olympics, they like purposely him and Pippen and to a lesser extent, Barkley just decided like, we're, we're just going to shut him down. Yeah. I also heard, and they, I don't know if you've heard this as well. You know, obviously, um, Michael had the final say on when this was going to get released and everything like that. But from my understanding, he re- he gave the final okay or the thumbs up during LeBron James uh, celebratory, and, and you know when he won that championship in Cleveland, was that strategic or was that just a coincidence in your mind? I must have missed that one. Has that part aired yet? Or no, this is oh, okay. This is just you know from news outlets and how it this is not necessarily part of the docuseries but yeah this is just how they're learning more and more about how it came about and all the stuff like that so do you think that was strategic on michael's part to you know say hey listen i i don't want you to forget about me uh I, i'm still dominant and i will always be dominant in this game and the i think dominant player uh yeah i think i think MJ any- was i wasn't a big fan of michael jordan i mean i i He's, but I will say by far, I think he's the best player in the NBA, at least that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, I like that he stayed on the same team. Um, I mean, he did have Pippen, but you know, he made the team around him better. Where LeBron jumped ship to Miami to be with buddies to win his first championship um, instead of sticking it out in Cleveland. Now he did go back to Cleveland, obviously, and won, um, but I don't think it was the same. And I think. I think so for that reason only, I think he's always going to be better than LeBron in my mind. Um, but I, I think, so yeah, I mean, as far as um, having final say, I mean, I've heard that he wanted to make sure he was always the final say in all the interviews and they interview people so that he could always respond. Um, I heard that part. But no, I, I hadn't heard anything about the LeBron thing yet. So, But that's that's interesting because I'm sure everybody compares those two. And, uh, but I think right now LeBron is amazing. He's the best player in the NBA right now. But I think overall, I think Michael Jordan is still the best in the NBA. Fascinating. What do you think, Ernest? Well, it's, it's fascinating to the extent that LeBron released the logo for Space Jam 2 while this uh, series is being shown. So it's a little series of one-upsmanship. I mean, you got to realize Michael Jordan walked away from the Bulls and he had $32 million on the table. And it came down to he wasn't going to play for any other coach than Phil Jackson. Yeah, I love the loyalty uh, on that, by the way. I mean, that's, that's again, you don't see that anymore. And they literally, I don't know if they would have won the next year, but it would have been interesting to see how competitive they would have been that next year. 
Yeah. The Spurs, right? They would have faced the Spurs in the championship if they'd all come back the next year. That would have been an interesting matchup. That was uh, the beginning of, of Duncan and and David right. Robinson. Yep. That would have been a great little matchup to that extent because you had the Rockets in between while he was playing baseball or gambling or whatever he was doing at that period of time. Gambling and paying basketball, supposedly. Baseball, That's right. Yeah. And then... From what I hear, and this is just uh, speculation, I think the docuseries is coming out again tonight, two two episodes, uh, and they're supposed to open up a little bit of a window or door into the relationship between Kobe and Michael. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. Just uh, the, I think those are two ultimate competitors. I don't even think LeBron is that much of a competitor. Uh, I think he is competitive. I think he... You know, very much so, but I think Kobe and and Michael on a different level. So I'm interested yeah. to see this this next. You know, what they think. How, how do you guys see Kobe and and Michael? Well, if he noticed, if you ever read hear interviews from Kobe when his high school, and when he made it to the pros, he picked up Michael Jordan's speech pattern. I mean, he, he mimicked the way he talked and some of the words he used. Now I've been on record that that Kobe is not in my top ten. Great player, but I don't think he's in my top ten. He's 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 number eleven. He's close. Uh, you know, Michael had to reinvent himself when he came back with that eighteen month hiatus. He became a post player, and it's it's fascinating when you look at the analytics. He comes out as the third best defensive guard of all time. It's the defense that we don't realize because everybody knows about the dunks and the shooting and the offense but he was a two-way player and Kobe was above average, but not a great defender. Nate, your, your comparison. I, you know, I like, I, I honestly, again, I, I like Kobe over LeBron. Um, I don't think, I mean, Kobe was talented, but I don't think he was as talented as like Michael Jordan, but I think he had the same competitive spirit. So I think there was a lot of respect between Michael Jordan and Kobe because of that reason. They were both trying to um, win. They were both very competitive. They wanted to do anything they could to win the win the championship. So I think there was, I mean, I obviously we're going to find that out, I'm sure. But I think there was just a lot of respect. I, I remember seeing a clip, I think it was to preview it, where um, Michael said something to Kobe like, I'll see you down the line. Uh, almost like, you know, kind of like what, what Jordan did, where Jordan was so talented at the very beginning, but he needed a few years, and then he had the time with the, against the Pistons, right? And then he finally got over that hump. Um, so almost like he had to put in his dues, and I think Kobe was at the beginning of that stage. So I think Michael Jordan um, realized that. It was That's why he was saying, you know, I'll see you down the line. Um, I liked, so I like I liked it. I, I We'll see what the relationship is, um, more we talk about. But I think there was just a respect there. I think there was a respect um, they're almost like the. I know you're the you're the new class. I'm the current class. You're the new class. You're going to be you know taking this over when I'm done, kind of thing. It's fascinating that two guys came on about the same time, and Michael Jordan respected them, but his relationship was a lot different. Kobe was one, but AI Allen Iverson was the other, and Al Iverson's relationship was more adversarial, but there was a respect between him and Jordan. Kobe tried to look as Jordan as a mentor. And, and the reason why Michael Jordan picked this particular uh, uh, director of this film was he did a nice little film on AI. And Jordan had told him when he hired him to do this how much he loved. He says, I love that little guy. You did a great job with the AI film. 
And so I think both of them came up about the same time, wildly different careers, because AI kind of burned himself out. I mean, he didn't, he never practiced. He didn't enjoy practice. What we're talking about, practice. Talking about practice. Yeah, I remember talking that. About practice. I mean, he didn't practice. He great. He probably had better physical tools than Kobe, but Kobe worked hard. Yep, Kobe worked. Now, yep. the, the big difference between Michael and, and LeBron and Kobe is Michael never pouted and quit on a team. And LeBron and Kobe both had instances where they did that. When did Kobe have it? Shot. Kobe did it uh, right after Shaq left playoff series against That's right. Phoenix. Phoenix, remember when he didn't take a shot in the fourth quarter? Phoenix beat them, I think, in a five-game or six-game series. I'll take that. <laughs> I don't yeah, remember that. I think I was just—I was probably just excited that the Suns won, so I didn't. I yeah, didn't really but think he like about it, but. took like I think two shots in the entire. Uh, fourth quarter hmm. and LeBron did that with the heat, especially the last year with the heat, the first year with the heat, uh, he just shut it down and he didn't post up. And I, I, I you know, it's Michael would have stepped over his mother still beating body to score. I mean, he, he, that was it. Winning was to the deficit, I think in his relationship with other people. Yeah. Winning meant everything. And, and when we see competitors like that, they aren't nice people. They aren't who you want as a neighbor. But if a shot meant whether you would live or die, you'd have them take the last shot. Right. Yeah. That's agreed. Uh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Although I wouldn't mind having Michael well, Jordan I, as a neighbor. I don't know how much, how nice he would be, but it'd be kind of cool to be like, oh, yeah, Michael Jordan lives next to <laughs> He'd give you the old shoes. He'd give you the old well, shoes. The fact that I'm his neighbor means I'm I'm doing okay financially. That's that's the other thing too, Chris. I mean, either yeah. either he's doing he's having a rough time or I'm doing well. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I'm 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 excited that they they pushed up this uh, this docu series because I think everybody needed something from a sports related, and so I'm glad they they were able to push this up. And uh, I think a that, I was gonna say, had to because we're probably gonna have live sports in June. I hope we have live sports in June. I was say, I think yeah, we kind of got I, spoiled I, with Netflix, where we get the whole series dumped at once. I think this is kind of terrible that we have to keep waiting every weekend. It's just two that drop, but I guess it could be worse. But, it could but at least be, there's two. It could be one. Yeah, it could be one every weekend. But That's it'd right. be nice if they could just drop it all at once. That'd be kind of cool. So, it was so, neat when uh, Rodman said Carol killed her husband. Shout out Tiger King. Sorry. <laughs> So speaking of things that we're watching, that's a good segue, uh, Ernest. Uh, couldn't have done it better myself. <laughs> Thank uh, you. What are you guys watching? So for me personally, I have been locked and loaded on Ozarks, and it's in its third season. And I don't know if you guys have heard of it or are watching it, but it is about – it's kind of like a Breaking Bad, but not nearly to the level. It's If Breaking Bad's an A, this is probably a, a – uh, a B or B minus, but it's, it's all about uh, the cartel and, and it's more about the money laundering rather than making the drugs. Um, so it's kind of interesting. What about you guys, Nate? We started watching on Ernest recommendation. We started watching the outsider, um, on HBO. So I think we're like three or four episodes into that one. Um, my wife and I, it's kind of like a series we're trying to watch. Other than that, I've been watching, um, Silicon Valley, I've already seen it, but I'm rewatching that series on um, HBO. Kind of a funny, funny one. I think it ended last year, 2019. I think it was the last season of it. Um, but it's it's pretty funny. 
Uh, I think those are kind of the ones I've been watching. Other than that, it's kind of just a bunch of re- reruns. We have Disney Plus, so the kids have been watching um, a lot of kids' shows. But there's so much. There's only so much you can watch. I mean, you have to wait for the kids to go to bed to watch anything good. Um, <laughs> anything good these days, <laughs> so it makes our window a little bit smaller. Uh, I don't know. What about you, Ernest? What are you watching these days? Well, I rewatched Band of Brothers. I rewatched The Pacific. I watched Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, which is a Stephen King series similar to The Outsider. Uh, I watched Mr. Mercedes, which again is a from a group of three Stephen King books. I watched the first season of that, and I just finished up. and Don't don't make fun of me here, okay? But I just finished up with Swamp Thing. <laughs> As a kid, I loved the comic. It was actually filmed here in North Carolina. So I recognize a lot of the background, the scenes, the locations. It's actually my work area. It's it's a DC comic book. Just just go with it. It's 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 I've heard of Swamp King, <laughs> Swamp Thing, but I've just never I didn't know there was a series or there was anything to watch about it. Yeah, there's a DC network that you can and I, I got access to the DVDs fairly cheaply. And I did like Mr. Mercedes. That's Brendan Gleeson, the great Irish actor who I have a, a lot of fondness for. And uh, I've been watching uh, some old series that uh, that uh, that went off the air, Alcatraz, uh, which is, uh, uh, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, another one um, uh, about police officers in 2045. So a lot of series that came and went, one series, one year, I've been catching up with those. I've caught up with my movies and Lots of video games. I played three games of Madden today. So, <laughs> which Madden are you playing? The new one, the newest one? Uh, newest one. Yeah, yeah. I think I've even won some credits and uh, been playing Rory McIlroy's PGA Golf. Is that the newest uh, one? Because there's no nice. more Tiger Woods no, Golf, right? No, well, it's the PGA Golf is the newest one. Uh, Rory came oh, out okay. 2015, but you have three Scottish courses and you have a battlefield one course where you play in world war one uh it's uh it's pretty easy to pick up and play and it's arcade type you don't have to do spins and worry about clubs so you pick up and play it's it's fairly easy to do so uh, that's is that for xbox or is that for ps4 that's not ps ps4 okay and i've been playing um Batman and uh, there's a Batman game where it's kind of like, remember the old books where you had a choice, these games, you tend to give you several choices and you follow the narrative. However you want, you have to pay. It's more of the texture. Yeah. Choose your own adventure. Yeah. 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 So I've been playing Batman. So as I was listening to you guys, I forgot. I watched a, um, another documentary on, it's called McMillions. Oh yeah. I watched that. Yep. Hulu. And then it, it was on HBO originally. Have you seen this, Ernest? I know the backstory, and I watched a little of it. I thought they could have sliced it down. I think Nate and I talked about this. Yeah, that could have been done in a two episodes weeks. max. I mean, oh was, yeah, yeah, two episodes. Yeah. I mean, it's and then after a while, I've been like, really? We have you know, I I, I got more into. There's a series on HBO on the. Uh, Atlanta child murders, which was probably before y'all's time, which was very <laughs> fascinating. Well, you had, you had 32 kids disappear or in a three year period. And the guy who was, who pleaded guilty to it, Wayne Williams, who is still alive. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that maybe he didn't commit that. Oh, geez. Jeez. That's not good. 
Well, uh, for an uplifting note, <laughs> well, what do you, what do you uh, say, Chris? I mean, we kind of talked about our shows. What what did you think about McMillions? Yeah, I agree. I thought it could have been you could have cut maybe two or three episodes because I think it was six episodes, um, and I think yeah, you could have cut three out because then it got into the backstory of you know the the mob and it's just I'm like I don't care. Like let's go, let's figure this guy out. And, so I thought that maybe the first two were pretty good. So, uh, but I thought it was pretty interesting, and I, I mean, I had no idea that it, there uh, there was a conspiracy behind it or how how it all went down. And I thought it was very interesting that it, it makes perfect sense why how McDonald's had no idea that Absolutely, they just kind yeah. of outsourced this this entire project to a you know to a, a third company or a second company uh, and. I, that the stuff still happens today where people inside their or own organization have no idea what's happening and they just, you know, wish upon a star that it's happening correctly. And so, uh, I thought it was interesting in that, in that perspective that yeah, you would think stuff that like they that's would still just, happening. They would switch it up every year, right? Like switch it up switch different company and stuff like that. Just switch it up every year. So you wouldn't have this, which maybe, you know, maybe companies are doing but that now, but they, they milk it. They milk it too. That brings up a good question. I'll throw to both of you. What subject would you like to see a documentary about? Is there anything? And I'll I'll start you off, okay? I would love to see a documentary about the anthrax murders we saw in two thousand and one, mm. because there's a lot of question at that fact. Did we really catch the right guy? Because the guy they accused committed suicide, but there's evidence that he didn't do that. And remember, we had six or eight people die in envelopes of anthrax being sent to their address, and this was right after nine eleven. So we were heightened at that time. I'd, I'd like to see a documentary about all that. That's always fascinated me to the extent. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was trying to think of sports figures and like the Aaron Hernandez one. That was fantastic. Uh, I have no desire to watch one about Tebow because there's no drama involved in that one. Um, I don't. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, then I was thinking, you know, they had one about Fred Rogers, which I thought that was that was well done on how they portrayed that. And uh, you had Steve Jobs and that whole. So, yeah, that that's a thinker. That's a, well, you, that's a good you remember, question. You remember Charles Carroll when he was on CBS? Ooh, mm, that that might be before my time. OK, he had <laughs> two families. He had two marriages and two families that didn't know about each other. He was a national news broadcaster. He was one of the three guys you'd see on 60 Minutes. And he had two whole families that neither one of them knew about each other. He was able to pull that off. That's fantastic. I wow. think that's great. I mean, there, there's all kind of stuff that, I mean, we're, we're a fast food generation in the extent that things happen and we forget about it. Because most people, you talk about the anthrax, they've forgotten all about it. Or the, the Tylenol murders in the 80s when they never caught anybody. Or the Atlanta murders. Again, that's just, it's just you know, even Columbine, people have forgotten about. And that's in your backyard. Yeah, nobody forgets that here. They don't even yeah, go to school. Nationwide, oh, uh, yeah. it's been replaced by, unfortunately, unfortunately, other types of acts like that have gone on. But I also think that was what the, what's kind of the first the first one, and so I think it's always kind of a marquee one, unfortunately. But yeah, it's it is. It's a little weird because we're yeah. one town over from Newtown, which is where yeah. I think the one that most people have heard of. I know every time you say something about Newtown. Everybody thinks of one thing, and it's it's sad because it's a beautiful little town, nice people well, up it, there. So yeah, 
ESPN has done most of the great sports stories. That's that's with their thirty for thirties. I think. That, I think. Although I would to like see. to see. Oh, you know what? Here, this is what I want. I want a Bill Belichick one where he is completely open and honest about it all. Like, there's no fabricating, or he can't answer it. Like, he's he's open about it. It'd just be two word answers. No, I'm but he has that. Well, you have. Well, the reporter, they don't ask stupid questions that are yes or no questions. And, but no, that would be a good one if, if Bill Belichick could have a, a documentary where he opens up and, you know. Well, he did a little bit with Alabama. He did a little bit with Nick yeah, Saban. Yeah, he did but... one with Parcells. did one with Parcells, too. Yeah. And in both of them, you walked away thinking, man, Parcells and Saban have a personality. Belichick doesn't because he'd sit over in the corner and just mumble stuff. It's, it's you know, the fact that him and Parcells together, that would be fascinating to that respect i think but. i think it'd be great if they did probably not nick saban but somebody else where if they followed a camera crew had an all-access pass almost like a hard knocks but you did it with a major college program where you get to kind of be with the coach you get to see the recruiting then you get to see the game prep then you get to see game day you get to see like rituals that whatever for whatever school it is right you get to see like their game day rituals that the coaches need to participate in with like the pep rally the night before or you know, any weird stadium things they do, like if they come into the stadium where they're, you know, walk in a tunnel of, you know, fans or if they, you know, touch a rock or um, that, that'd be kind of cool. Something that would air after the season, right? So you wouldn't get, you know, inside info during the season. But that would be cool. I know they did a little bit like that on HBO, but they did like one team for each week one or week. something like that. Yeah. But I think it'd be great yeah. from start to finish. But just seeing like the recruiting when they go on the recruiting trips almost like an all-access, just kind of see how, what these conversations are like with recruits. Uh, you know, like if you did Harbaugh, right? Remember that he like stayed overnight at one kid's house, had like a sleepover, right? I mean, something like that. Really? Or how, how fun would yeah. that be where you get to see how a coach interacts with like the parents and the player, then switches gears, flies back, gets the game prep for whatever the opponent is that week. Um, you know, and then just kind of seeing, I guess what I'd love to see personally, if I was um, – Working in the TV industry, I'd love to do something where you would basically every week you go to a different town, sports town, right? So you go to like Auburn, Auburn, right? And what you would do is you'd like go tour the stadium, you'd tour the locker rooms, tour kind of the facilities. And then the next day you'd kind of do, you'd go with the fans and you'd do the pregame. So you'd find the best food place on campus for whatever, you know, whatever ritual they have. If it's a breakfast before a game or if it's an after the game food, the best food, whatever tailgate traditions you have. Then you go into the game. I think that'd be cool every week to do a different different school and just kind of get a background of it because you see a lot of these games and you know a program's big, but it'd be kind of cool to like put a lot of the fans to you know to the experience. How about, but how about do well? I think that's a Peyton Manning? <laughs> could be. I mean, but you would do it every week. I mean, ESPN could do that because they have you know the talk of the town guys where they come out and you know the the guy will go to like one restaurant on the campus or something like that. But it's something like that. But it's just. If you show up on a Thursday and you're going through everything, and um, you know, then you get to hit the restaurants, you get to do the tailgating, you get to do the pregame, you get to do all the things that are ritualistic for, you know, any school because there's a lot of passionate alumni fans, and it's kind of cool. I mean, every time I learn about more about what some of these schools do, like when what is it Auburn when they beat, um, if they beat Alabama, they TP all the trees. I mean, something yeah, like that. I tree, mean, the trees died. Well, and Alabama Phil killed the trees. So, but still, like those kind of things, you you don't. Oh, I, yeah. I never really know that much about it. But 
you know, it'd be kind of fun to just to see a little bit more about that, especially for a lot of schools that you've never heard of or paid that much attention. I came from the West Coast where it was all Pac-12 I got to see a lot of. And now that I moved to the East Coast, it's more of, you know, Big Ten and SEC. And I don't get to see the Pac-12 as much. So something like that would be kind of fun to see. But I don't know. That's that's what I guess I would like to see. You're but not I also missing. Like to produce. <laughs> How about this? You're not missing much. How about this as an idea? You do a one month and be a college football one month baseball team where you see like only three guys will make the major leagues. The other guys are trying to fulfill their dreams and then inherently statistically it's going to fail and how the small town supports. I'm not talking about, you know, one of these big new, I mean, one of these old areas that have an old stadium that have been there for 40 years and you know, that, one or one week with the women's soccer team at USC or, or Notre Dame or one week with the basketball team, the women's basketball, just one month documentary and run it like four weeks. Yeah. Something like that. that that's, you know, or even the USC rowing team. I think that'd be a good documentary. Because that's a, that's, when they show up to school and nobody knows who they are. <laughs> Probably because they're all going to disappear. Because if or there, wait, there's football, the, wasn't there that one girl that her mom was an actress and she was that's on the right. team? Is that Thorin Thorin Thorin, yeah. is that where you're going with yeah. that? Is that where you going with that, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> and and Becky, yes, that's where I'm going. I'm like, okay, crickets, crickets. All right, do I have to spell this out oh, here? Sorry, right. sorry, that's okay. It's all right. Our, our subscription to people ran out. Sorry. <laughs> don't hate. Don't hate. Um, so uh, I guess, you know, this is a different time for everyone. So I just wanted to see, you know, um, fr- from a, another sports perspective, you know, baseball has talked about changing its divisions and how, how this whole thing is going to play out. I guess if you guys were in charge of baseball, uh, what would you do to make it work, uh, whether it be changing divisions you know, making them bigger or the game amounts, you know, talk me through what you guys would do if you were in charge to make this work for this season. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you guys talk. Uh, Ernest, go ahead. hundred game season, keep the same divisions, uh, start playing in Florida and stadiums, crowds, uh, space, the players in the stands, have everybody do, uh, a test at the beginning, have them tested regularly. We know now you can't go to Canada because uh, Premier, Minister, Premier Minister PM Trudeau has said anybody who goes to Canada has to go through quarantine. So you got to play your games in dumb stadiums, Florida, Arizona, no fans. 100 games start, let's say, July 4th. Uh, you can do the World Series in neutral stadium, dumb stadiums in the middle of November. I think uh, I did. I Ernest, that was kind of a quick, quick, quick answer for you. I was a little thrown off. Um, Here's what I think. I I like keeping the divisions together. I would do something where let's just say like the NL West, the whole division would be in Arizona, right? And you'd play double headers so that you have the four teams in the division. They'd always play each other, you know, between there'd always be a double header every day. You could play, for example, Arizona has chase field, which is actually a dome. Um, you could play both games there, but all all the team, all four teams are in Phoenix, right? Different hotels, obviously. Um, players get tested, like Ernest says, but each division is in one state. So they're almost like in just one spot. And they just play each other, play. That's all you're playing, right? So then you're only just playing four teams. You're only interacting with, 
while you're, you're interacting with three other teams um, the whole time. I think that would be a good idea. So, like, you know, in California, they would have, like, I don't know, the AL, AL West, right, where they would pick, you know, L.A. or Texas. something, right? Put them so, in Texas. Right, AL so West. you'd find one state, one stadium that could play basically double headers every day with those four teams, basically. just keep You just keep playing each other. And then you do kind of a shorter um, playoff. You don't do a wild card. You just do whoever those division champs are, play each other, and, um, you know, just do the do the bracket and everything like that. Um, World Series, just pick a neutral spot that I, w- I would guess it would probably have to be kind of a dome w- just for the weather. But in all these scenarios, I just say empty stadiums, um, test the players when they come in. But I think that's that's the best way to get the least amount of interaction. Um, you know, the players don't have they're not really traveling because they're staying in the same state. They're just playing different teams. The only thing that's tough about that is your family situation. So. You know, that's, but I know a lot of the players are gone a lot during the season, but, you know, now you're talking about, you know, the whole season they'd be gone or how you work that out with, with family, but at least you're in one spot and you're not traveling until the playoffs. I think that's, that would be my thinking. Otherwise I like the whole, um, keep the Arizona teams, spring training teams there. And same with Florida, because those are both half divisions. You just call it one, the AL and one, the NL or whatever you want to call them. And then you have the playoffs there. And then the world series is the first time anybody has to travel um you know outside of driving to the stadiums but in the state but that'd be the other one so you could just say you know kansas city's the neutral site for both teams because it's kind of in the middle of the country and or they could just say hey we're going to do the world series in whatever state is the safest at the time so when they get to the world series when they start the playoffs just say hey look it looks like you know texas is has the least amount of cases or the safest we're going to have the world series in texas because um, you're going to play in an empty stadium, so what does it matter where the venue is? So, baseball wise, uh, Nate, I just got this note when you said about being hard to be away from their family for uh, four months. I got this note from military personnel. Uh, let me see if I can read it. it said boohoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see what the MLB does because I think they have an opportunity here that if they screw it up, it's, uh, you know, I think the attention for baseball for the 162 game schedule already is kind of dwindling. So this league, uh, I just hope they don't mess it up in a sense that uh, they have a prime opportunity where everyone is going to be so focused on baseball when it comes back, because that's going to be the next sport that comes back uh, in a perfect world that they just need to make it right and get everybody's attention. Uh, here's, what right baseball, there. here's what baseball has to worry about. NBA, NHL have already gone on record as saying they're not starting the 2000-2001 season until December, which means baseball, which had half of June and all of July all to itself, is going to find itself competing against hockey and basketball next June and next uh, next June, next July. That would be a bigger worry to baseball than screwing up this season. I think they get a, a free ride for however this season goes because a lot of people have cited this is a wasted year anyway. We're just going to do it for the TV money. So I don't think they can damage goodwill, but I think they better be worried because they're going to be competing against hockey and basketball for viewership and for money, and this may be a permanent situation. Yeah. No, I uh, – I- that's that's good thinking, and you know the the only team that I I think is more is probably the happiest about this Astros. is the Houston Astros. Everybody's forgotten about it, and it's going to be like 
whatever, you know, you, you, they were going to get ripped this year. And so I, I think that's kind of going to go down downhill. But um, I think, I think yeah. the psyche is going to, I mean, I think mentally it's going to screw with some players. They're going to be out there playing with an empty environment. You know, um, rookies that are, I mean, there's going to be so many players that are just so used to hearing the crowd noise. Um, Can't you pipe in? You can pipe in the crowd noise. You can. I'm sure you can, but it's not the same. You know, I think it's, I think it's going to mentally mess with some of the players. Um, well, you, you, and then to go back to it, whenever we do get the fans back, how that will mess with psyche too. Uh, because I think if you play a whole season and get used to no fan, you know, the quietness, I don't know. But I mean, it'd be interesting if they could talk to the Roy of the, um, Baltimore Orioles about that game they played how many seasons ago where they, they had the riots and they had to play the game in an empty stadium. But. Yeah, 10, 50. You see what they're doing in Korea and in Taiwan baseball is for a donation, they'll put your face on an inflatable dummy and put it in the stands. That's funny. So like, like in, you know, in films, they do this all the time. They put stock dummies to make the crowd because they don't want to pay a big crowd. So they have these inflatable dolls, and if you pay a donation to the coronavirus relief fund, they'll put your face in the front row so it'll look like you're attending the game. So the stands are full. <laughs> it's just not live people. And they're piping in crowd noise. So they're trying to mimic it, so to speak. So this works out. And they're actually playing games in Korea and Taiwan right now. Tried to get it on ESPN Ocho and couldn't quite find it. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what I, I don't know. I, I think I think Ernest, I hadn't, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd like that, but I think you know I think with the technology that they have now, I mean, they could put. I feel like MLB would get smart with some of the technology. They'd probably set up cameras, kind of like you know when you go on like a Ticketmaster, right? And you want to buy a ticket for a certain section, they give you like a screenshot of what it looks like in that section if you were to buy that ticket, right? I think they would do something that way. They would put cameras in the ballpark so you could experience it from. The third baseline, or you could experience from behind home plate, or you could experience from the outfield looking in, kind of like almost like the MLB experience. You could pay a couple bucks to have that view for the game, or switch between five different views for the game. Um, interact like interact on like MLB TV, where you would be able to, you know, if you paid an extra fifty bucks during the season, you could click on which one you're watching the game. You can click four different, five different camera views to view it from. They might, they might try something like that. Put a camera on the bill of the players. Mic the players in the field. May have to show it on HBO or put a five-second Or delay, delay it, yeah. But yeah, this, this is an opportunity for baseball to jump in. Mic all the players. Put the, the cameras, you know, put them on umpires before. Put them on the bill of haps to the players. And it, this is a chance to try stuff. And if it doesn't work out, well, hey, everybody's giving you a free ride for this season anyway. I mean, baseball's... Their attendance has gone down four years in a row. Interest and ratings are going down. Try some new stuff here. I yeah. mean, don't put trampolines in the outfield. But, no, but you it's know, a good. You're, you're right, Ernest. I mean, try try different things. You don't have fans there. Why not try it? That's right. I think, like Chris said, it's kind of a lost season. I don't think anybody's expecting, you know, that much this year. So why not? Why not? You know, do some experimenting. It makes some sense. Quick, quick. No, I think quick. it's great. Quick thing, quick guess between both of you. Does the NFL start on time right now? Yes. What do you feel like? Yes, I do believe it starts on time. I say yes. I think they're going to push it. Fans. I think they're going to push it without. Yeah, I think it would start without fans, but I think I think the NFL is going to push it. I think they're going to they're going to push it. I think there's too much money to be lost, um, and I think 
I don't know. I think the way the NFL is set up, I think they're going to work on that. I think it's going to be tricky because I think as far as interacting, eh, they have pads on, but I guess interacting with other players would be a... Uh, give them a full shield. Give them a full plastic shield. <laughs> yeah, I can't uh, really do mask. that. But I guess basketball is probably the most physical where you're touching a lot of sweat and stuff like that as opposed to like but, hockey where you got gear on. You got a lot of gear on in the other sports. But, I mean, there's oh. blood. Blood can be spilled in... I guess in theory, blood can be spilled in any one of those sports. So, the yeah. UFC matches this month. I mean, without an audience, without a crowd, UFC—they've been doing UFC performances. They're doing two weeks. So I, I think we'll slowly. I, this is interesting because I've been through a lot of hurricanes. With hurricanes, you know, once they pass, well, two weeks we'll get back to normal, and we really don't know if we will have normal. I don't think, to a certain extent, I think there'll be some things that won't come back. I, I have doubts. I think Canadian football is probably dead. They're asking for $20 million from the Canadian government are they really? to stay alive. Yeah, and I just don't see. I mean, governments are going to be strapped. Or we're going to see things disappear. I mean, yep, I think there's a new normal. I think there's a lot of businesses that are going to realize they can get by with less, less of a pr- footprint in office space with a lot of people working from home and that's going to cut down some costs too. I mean, you're you're not going to have as much need for things in the break room, food, um, other perks and things like that. Cause you can work from home, have employees come in once, you know, once a week for a meeting, but other than that, work from home, uh, which, you know, that, I mean, that can turn a lot of things. It can turn a lot of the commercial real estate, uh, away because, you know, companies can spend, save money by having people work from home. I think, we're learning now how great technology is. Could you imagine if this happened in the 1970s, how people would work? Because I don't think, you know, we didn't, we didn't have the technology. You'd have to do everything via, you know, the telephone, right? I mean, I don't think you could have done much else at the we time. we get sick of that modem sound, yeah. we'd be faxing memes to each other. That's what we would be doing. Did they have a fax machine in the 70s? Well, in the 80s, we had fax machines. Yeah, I was dot saying ma- like in the 70s. Matrix. We would send dot matrix. We had dot matrix back then. So you had that. It's, uh, you know, one, one old business that I think would really be successful now is drive-in theaters. They've seen, I've seen those. Um, restaurants are doing them. They're setting them up in their parking lots because then they can serve each car and have a movie playing in the screen and everybody's safe because they're inside their own cars. Um, that was smart. I was, I was reading an article about how some restaurants are doing that, that have big parking lots. Um, I work for a nonprofit. We we basically had to shut down our property. We have a big playground, big field, about forty six acres. We have baseball fields, and you know we've kind of talked about like, well, should we try to like convert the field into a movie theater um, and set that up, and then have some you know local restaurants um, work with the delivery on that, so they could deliver them to the car stop to the cars, and we can watch the movie. But um, you know we, we kind of threw that idea around because it's not a bad idea, but restaurants are doing that, so you know the drive ins are going to be good. But I think. Once this is over, I don't think the drive-ins would, you know, I think they're going to go back to what they were. I think people are just going to be so excited to get out um, once this ends that I don't know that drive-ins yeah. would be sustainable. I think it's a good idea right now, but I think if you could do a pop-up pop-up one and then take it down in a matter of weeks, Oh, yeah, you've got a PowerPoint projector and a PC and a pretty good sound system. You could do your yeah. own drive-in projector in your own ha- on your own wall and your ha- outside your house. Yeah. I also saw uh, people getting married in drive-ins just 
so that you know their their guests can be a part of it and and they can kind of do a drive through and kind of you know wish them luck and that way it's it's still see know, that's interesting rather than back, Zoom. Back in my day, people had to get married because of what they did in a drive-in theater. Nine <laughs> months later, Ernest, let's keep this PG, all right? But this is a family show. <laughs> okay, I, I framed that. I framed that well. So. <laughs> Well, lastly, um, you know, we got a couple more minutes on the show, so I'll give it to each of one of you. I know this is a tough time. So, um, is there any goals that you guys have had that maybe you've accomplished either good or bad? Um, and then I'll give you guys uh, kind of a final, final thoughts for us as we, as we, uh, hopefully make it into another successful week in, in the world that we're in. So, uh, Nate, I'll drop it off to you first. Any, any goals that you've, uh, made for yourself and, and maybe have accomplished or, you know, on the way to accomplishing, and then I'll give you your final minutes. Well, first off, I think, uh, I think my teachers lied, lied. My kids are not a pleasure to have in class. Um, no, I'm just kidding. My kids are great. Uh, no, I think just getting more stuff done around the house, um, I think has been something I think we've kind of talked about it with some friends too, about, you know, being stuck in quarantine, I think you kind of see things in your house that need to get done. And now you no longer have that excuse of, oh, I don't have the time to do it because you're stuck at home. You've got all the time in the world to, to go get your supplies and get it done. Um, so I think that's kind of been more of what um, my goals have been is just, you know, we're stuck at home, get stuff done at home that you can't get done, right? I mean, um, let's work on that. So um, I'll bring some up at the very end of my asked one. But Ernest, go ahead. What do you got? Uh, the fact that my wife has not served me with divorce papers this week is something that's good about every week it goes by. <laughs> I found out after 63 years, I'm an essential worker, which just basically means that if you die from contravirus, no one will miss you. So I'm still going to an office five days a week. I work with a lot of brave individuals who are doing the testing who are on the front lines. Uh, I work with a lot. I have two daughter-in-laws who are nurses that are exposed on a daily basis. So I'm, I'm thankful for them. I'm, like I said, reading a lot of books and watching a lot of stuff that my wife was saying, why are you keeping that for? You'll never read it. Well, I'm getting to read it. So there we go. Nate, your final words, final words. Yeah. I don't know guys, just, uh, you know, hang in there. I think we're starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic and say that that's what we're seeing. Um, you know, just remember to support your local, restaurants any place you like if you're nervous about you know getting food from there maybe just buy a gift card buy a gift card keep you know keep them going and then use the gift card when this all ends and you're um more comfortable doing it you know same with anything even if it's not a food business if it's a flower shop that you like or you know somebody that makes cookies or uh, you know try to try to reach out and support them shoot them an email um a lot of them are responding pretty quickly about what you can do to help and uh, other than that you know check on Check on neighbors that might be elderly that are a little nervous about going out, see what they need anything. And um, yeah, other than that, just uh, try to do your best to have a positive attitude about it. I mean, I, I think we can make a lot of jokes about this. There's the um, Groundhog Day meme of Bill Murray that says, well, it's quarantine day again. Um, you know, just let's just try to have some fun with it yeah. and make the best of it, right? I mean, that's just, that's all we can really do. So go ahead, Ernest. I just hope that light at the end of the tunnel is not a train headed towards us. Uh, I highly recommend a book I just finished called The Victory Machine. It's about the rise and fall of the Golden State Warriors. And it's interesting that when we see these dynasties like the Bulls, like the Lakers, 
how much we think they're going to win 10 championships and how small personal relationships like KD and Draymond Green can destroy a dynasty. And it's fascinating little book. If you love basketball and you love the workings of how to get a team together and how to watch it destroy, highly recommend it. It's called Victory Machine. It's a nice little quick little read. So I highly recommend it. That's mine off the bookshelf this week. Chris. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been trying to keep up with work and yeah, I, I've never, uh, we have an 18 month old here, so it, it's, they're not school, you know, she's not school aged yet. So I've watched about, um, Moana and frozen and frozen Two about, uh, 30 times each in, in the last week. So, uh, sh- just what, what our, our daycare facility provides the structure and everything like that. It's, it's uh can't thank him enough and and so uh, i'm hopeful <laughs> that she's able to go back soon and she can get a little bit more curriculum and uh less binge tv so i uh, i'll be excited for that but yeah uh you know my last word i guess would be just uh, everyone's kind of coming into this point where they're just they're getting this this quarantine fatigue and so uh, this is kind of the the time where it's we're, we're we can almost see the light at the end of the tunnel and and there is some promise but we're quite we're not quite there yet so just you know find a new hobby you know c- stay connected with your friends continue cooking from home you know support your local restaurants support support your local food banks just you know we're almost there but you've we've got to stay safe for these last couple of weeks uh, until it's all safe because if we don't then this will all be for naught, and and we'll have to do this all over again. Hopefully, you know, in the, in the fall round two. So, not to say that won't happen, but you know, I think every bit that we can help uh, not have that happen is kind of the goal. So, so this, thank you, uh, thank you, Ernest, thank you, Nate. Uh, this has been a pleasure on my on my part. Uh, so, this is part of the confusion. We will uh, talk to you guys soon. Have a great week and stay healthy. Have a good night. <laughs>